0: May I add again a special welcome to those of you especially who have children in our morning school. We're glad that you came to worship with us today and hope that you'll come back again uh, and worship with us. We also are very grateful to Rose Drew for the remarkably good job uh, she has done as director of the morning school. Uh, That position is uh, going to be open in the fall and applications are being received for it by the session in the Christian Education Committee. Our lesson this morning is taken from the sixth chapter of the Gospel according to John. If you have a Bible uh, with you and would like to turn to it, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. John chapter 6, verse 1 following. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias. And a great multitude was following him because they were seeing the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Jesus, therefore, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a great multitude was coming to him, said to Philip, "'Where are we to buy bread that these may eat?' This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these? For so many people. Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus therefore took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, and likewise also of the fish as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up, and they filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. When therefore the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is of a truth, the prophet who has come into the world. Amen. Amen. May God bless to our understanding this reading from his word. Let's stand, please, and then we'll bow in prayer. Let us all pray. And now, o God our Father, we give you praise again for all of your great mercy to us. We give you thanksgiving, Father, for the remarkable privileges which we enjoy in this blessed land. We thank you for the freedoms which we have. Freedoms which are free for us, but which are not cheap, but which have been bought by the blood of brave men and women down through the years, and which have been really given to us of your own bounty, help us to make good use of it. We pray that you will bless those in countries where they are restricted in their worship of you and where there are obstacles to be overcome. We seek your mercy for those who are oppressed. We are thankful that we have gifts which we may make this day to support the spread of the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Please bless our offering, and please see to it that it is wisely used to glorify thee. And now make the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts to be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Very favorite question for those who teach the New Testament is to ask the students in the class, which of the miracles performed by Jesus is recorded? Which one miracle is recorded in all four records of the gospel? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the only one miracle that Jesus did, which is recorded by all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is the feeding of the 5,000. This miracle made a tremendous impression upon the people. It made a great impression upon them. I've been trying to analyze it and thinking through it. Uh, You know, it was the festival of the Passover, so there would have been great throngs of people that would have come for this important feast. Remember that this commemorated the freedom which God gave to his people when he brought them out of bondage in Egypt and they were very grateful for that freedom. We like to celebrate the 4th of July in this country. This is bigger than the 4th of July to them uh, because it was the mighty hand of God in bringing them deliverance from Egypt. And uh, so there would have been huge crowds of people. It would have been in the spring of the year. We know that we are told there were 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. Someone has estimated that the crowd of people that may have been fed would have been as large as 15,000. A huge crowd of people. I often think of the oratorical skills of Jesus. Jesus. Even his enemies, when they came to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane, fell back under the power of his voice. Never think of Jesus as some weak, emaciated uh, sort of person. You could not have spoken to 15,000 people and be that way. He must have had a tremendous voice. And it must have made a great uh, moving Experience for the people because they went such great distances to hear him speak they traveled even out into the desert places to uh, hear him so he speaks to this huge crowd of people now when you think of this the 5,000 men that would be fed then the women and children beside you can see why they would remember this for a long time to come Uh, Now then, let's pick up the story and I'll let it develop itself and I'll go along with some points I want to bring out that really I believe will relate to our morning school too. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side. Now after these things means after John the Baptist had, had been beheaded and word had been received by Jesus that this great hero of the faith This remarkably courageous man of God, his own cousin, had been put to death by a horrible person, Herod. Jesus uh, sought retirement. Uh, His disciples needed retirement. He had manifested a great healing ministry. Many people were brought to him and were healed and made well. And so it was time now for some rest. And Jesus turns even these interruptions into periods of blessing. And we see that here. Uh, They can't get away from the crowds. They throng him every place. I've had the experience of being with Dr. Billy Graham uh, time and again when we've gone into a hospital. And uh, I would call him and say so-and-so is sick, and can you possibly go and see him? And he's always been very gracious to go if there was any way in the world that he could. But the minute we would try to sneak in the back entrance of the hospital and go up the elevator and the word would get out amongst the nurses or the doctors that uh, he was there, it was almost like a ripple uh, effect uh, throughout the corridors of the hospital. And as we would walk out uh, persons would come out of the room and say, would you come in and pray for my mother? Would you pray for my father? Would you pray for my little boy? And you can see something of the pathos when people uh, are in extreme need like this, they respond in this manner. And so here, uh, Jesus attracts these great crowds of people, and they come to him having seen these remarkable healings that have taken place miracles from God and uh, Jesus looks up and sees the multitude coming they can't get away from this multitude the word is myriads upon myriads thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people Jesus saw them coming and so Jesus lifting up his eyes And seeing that great multitudes were coming, said to Philip. He is the first one we want to look at briefly. Said to Philip, where are we to buy bread that these may eat? Where are we to buy bread that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Now what is he testing him about? He wants to test him... To see if he knows that God can supply every need. And that God will supply it through him, the Messiah. He has already wrought many miracles. And he wonders the impression that's been made. You know, Jesus has been close with these men and you get to know him. I've been around here for almost 22 years and people get to know me. Two times yesterday, people told me to get back to work on my sermon. They wanted to hear a good one today because of some distraction that came up. Uh, they know how many different things come up. Well, Jesus knew Philip, and Philip knew Jesus. But F- Philip is being tested. I worked in a department store. They used to call them dry goods stores. That dates me. Thirty-five years ago, I remember working in a uh, uh, wonderful store in our part of Texas and the manager was a great uh, man, the owner of the place he was a person from whom I learned many lessons one was about working he he said one time uh, when someone had been promoted uh, some other person who was a little disgruntled that he didn't get promoted said that's the luckiest guy I ever saw and our owner said yeah and did you ever notice the harder he works the luckier he gets <laughs> He was a very shrewd man. And, uh, and what he was saying was true. And in that store, we sold everything from Hickey Freeman suits, which were then $65. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine, a, a, a clerk in a store in Asheville this week, and I asked him about a Hickey Freeman sport coat, and he said it was $450. I said, I don't, even, I don't even want to know what a suit costs. <laughs> uh, and that's how times have changed. But even back then, though, I was 25 bucks a week was a big salary then. Uh, well, here, Jesus is testing him like a good manager would test a clerk in a store to see whether he's got any sense, whether, whether he's going to rely upon uh, uh, the power of God. So he tests him. Uh, he says to Philip, where are we? Now, Philip was from that area. He might have known some place they could buy some food. But for 15,000 people, my soul, that's a lot of people. And they didn't have that much money. Uh, Well, Philip is quick in trying to figure it up. Philip answered him and said, 200 denarii. But you see, he's not thinking about the power of God. He's thinking about trying to buy bread here. 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them for everyone to receive a little. Uh, he's thinking in, in terms like we think as human beings, that even if we had a working man's wage, which would have been a denarii a day, for 200 days of work, that amount of money would not buy each one of them just a half of a piece of a biscuit, and uh, uh, it just wouldn't go anywhere. It's not enough so that they would have just a little bit to eat. And in the other records we are told that the disciples told him send the crowds away so that they can go away to the villages. So Philip answers with his impossibility thinking by uh, stating that uh, even 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for everyone to receive a little. And I think Philip must have wondered why are you asking me this question? Why did this happen to happen to me? I was listening to a tape by Charles Swindoll, uh, who was going through a series on John a few years ago. And we had Andy Horner here the other day, and uh, about two Sundays ago, and he had an unusual thing happen in his home in Dallas. Uh, someone rounded a corner uh, in their Volkswagen and ran through his fence and crashed into his swimming pool. And he looked out the window to saw He thought the pool's lights were on, but it was the lights from the Volkswagen. And he walked outside to look at it. And there were two boys who came up to him dripping wet. And they said, our bug is in your pool. (laughs) And uh, Andy could have reasoned, well, why bug me? (laughs) Uh, What's God? Why didn't he let him run into my neighbor next door who's not even a Christian? Uh, uh, Why (laughs) didn't Why didn't he operate that way? God does things uh, in unusual ways. Well, here Philip gets, gets uh, tested by Jesus, and he said it's uh, 200 denarii, not even enough bread for every one of them to receive a little. And then there's one step further. Andrew. Andrew does remarkable things, and remember I always have to say that Andrew must be identified as Simon Peter's brother. That's the way you keep him straight. Andrew is Simon Peter's brother. Uh, And Andrew, however, had made friends with some little boy out in the group. And Andrew said, there is a lad here. And that's what's important about our morning school and about teaching the children. Do you see all those children here? You have no idea what those children may become when they are grown men and women and the impressions that may be made upon them now for God and for Jesus and for what is right and what is wrong and those lessons that Rose was enumerating to us about the things they were being taught she and Pammy Wolfe and the others who have worked with them these are so important there is a lad here there is a lad here said Andrew he at least had made friends with this little boy and he was a poor little kid He didn't have any money because barley was the cheapest uh, of the grains. In fact, if you committed the sin of adultery, one of the offerings made for it was out of barley because the Jews said that adultery is the sin of a beast. And so if you're going to commit the sin of a beast, then the offering you ought to make ought to be the food of a beast. And so it was made out of barley cakes. And so barley was cheap. Uh, uh, as cheap as you could get and he had five little barley loaves five little barley cakes and two pickled fish they would have been about like our anchovies I never think of anchovies except I think of one of our uh, sons (laughs) who was going on a camping trip and he selected amongst the things he would take with him to eat on the camping trip a can of anchovies you don't want to ever do that. Uh, <laughs> and you'll be tasting them a long time. Uh, two little pickled fish and uh, five little barley cakes. And that's what this little boy has. Now Andrew knew that. He knew what he had for lunch. How did he know that? I have people who say to me, how can I witness for Jesus Christ become someone else's friend? Get to know them. Andrew must have gotten into a conversation with him if he knew he had five little barley cakes and two pickled fish. They must have been talking about it. The little fellow must have told him. And so Andrew comes to Jesus, and he makes a wonderful statement. He says to Jesus, There is a lad here, and he has five barley loaves and two fish. Now if you had to stop there and said to this little boy now Sonny you just watch what he's going to do with these barley loaves and two fish. You're not going to be able to, to imagine how great it's going to be. But he doesn't say that. Instead he says there is a lad here he has five barley loaves, he has two fish but what are they among so many people? They're not much among so many people. And yet when we have just a little and God is in it God can do great things with it and so that's what God will do here through his son Jesus Christ Jesus says have the people sit down and uh, there was much grass in the place Uh, you know once I actually read that statement right there there was much grass in the place and I had some kids laugh because they thought I was talking about marijuana now that shows you how times change well uh, this made a vivid impression on Mark because he says green grass in the place and it must have meant that they had colorful robes and Jesus uh, at this point wants them to be orderly served and so he does things decently and in order and he has the people sit down in companies of 50 and in companies of 100 and in uh, uh, Mark's mind, he can still see them in their uh, groups like so many patches in a garden uh, that are different ways. He sees them sitting down. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. Jesus therefore took the loaves and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated and likewise also of the fish. Now, you remember Philip said. If we could buy the bread, we could not get enough so that each one would have just a little. But what it says here is, likewise also the fish as much as they wanted. Now what does that tell you about God? You know my old favorite hymn, come ye sinner poor and needy. Weak and wounded, sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to greet you. Oh, the beauty, love, and power. When you come to Jesus, that old hymn says, God's free bounty glorify. It glorifies God to give generously to us. He always gives generously. Nothing will be wasted. But he will give generously. Uh, Philip had been wondering if 200 denarii worth of bread would be enough so that each one of them could just have a little bit. And what Jesus is going to show is that they're going to eat all that they want and 12 baskets full are going to be left over so that each one of these 12 apostles will have a whole basket full to munch on that afternoon if they want it. This wasn't any problem to Jesus. Now, I've been reading the commentaries, and this is really something. Uh, (laughs) There are those who try to explain this miracle. They say Jesus flashed a warm, sunny smile on the crowd, and everyone shared his lunch. That's how he pulled it off. And then there are others who say, well, it was really a sacramental meal that he just gave them a token. Well, that's not so. It said they ate all they wanted. It wasn't like communion here where we get just a little piece of bread and a little tiny cup. That wasn't it. They'll go to, I I love to cite the wonderful old Negro field preacher who had great wisdom, who said the Bible sure sheds a lot of light on these commentaries. (laughs) And it really does. There's no need to explain it away. This is the Son of God. This is the God who made all the tons of grain that there are in the whole world. And if a farmer can take his seed wheat and sow a few pounds of it and next year reap thousands of pounds of wheat and then sow the thousands of pounds of wheat seed and then reap, reap tons and shiploads of it, God can capsule these miracles. Jesus could have it it worked so that every man had a loaf of bread in his pocket. He could have called down manna from heaven. But he elected to use his own disciples to help him in distributing his grace to others. We take communion. We take the bread and break it and pass it to someone else. He takes it and passes it to someone else. That's communication. And we communicate the gospel. That's fellowship and it's love and it's in there with them and it's working with him. It's witnessing for him. Now, how may we do this? And I want to get to some very practical lessons. I have people who I said a while ago, if you want to share the gospel with someone else, then, then get to be their friend. That's what Andrew did. Then the little boy. No matter if all you've got is two little barley cakes, uh, two little fishes, and five little barley cakes, give it to Jesus. He can take your insufficiency. In your insignificant gift. And he can make it to be much more. He can make it to be much more. Take that and give it to him. Then let him bless it. Someone has said that it was seed time. That is the sowing of the seed. It was seed time when he blessed the bread. When he prayed. It was harvest when he broke it. And that's the way he still operates. He is communicating his gospel through his good news, his love and salvation through those who love him. Through little things, a while ago Rose spoke about Moses. Who would have ever thought that a little baby crying with little teardrops would move? the whole course of history but it does little Moses placed in a little tiny boat-like basket and placed in the river Nile floats down and these enslaved people in Egypt who are in rigorous bondage and who have cried out to God for years And a little baby cries. There's an old Jewish legend that an angel from God came and pinched the toe of Moses and made him cry. And that baby's cry caused the impulse, the maternal instinct in Pharaoh's daughter to be moved. She heard the cry and had that baby brought to her. And then that baby will be used by God to be the great deliverer. And when that baby comes up, you remember that staff that was in his hand? Later, God tells Moses when he calls him out in the desert, when he's gone out there, what's that in your hand? And he says, it's a staff. He says, throw it down. And he throws down that old shepherd's rod and it becomes a snake. This, uh, a week ago, Francis Schaefer died. He has a great, great sermon called No Little People in No Little Places. And he based the whole message on the fact that that that, that staff that Moses took in there and threw down before Pharaoh and said God said let my people go that God can take insignificant insufficient things and empower them and this is what he does here that's what he did down in Charlotte when Mordecai Ham was preaching and a 17 year old named Billy Graham was converted and came to Christ, and millions upon millions of people around the world have heard the gospel because of it. That's what happens when these little children are here and we teach them about Jesus out of this own church. Uh, yesterday, or the day before yesterday, I got a call from Jim Wood, who is pastor of a church up in Massachusetts now. I can think of Philip Waltney, I think of Al Andrews, I think of Robert Barker, I think of Joel Barker. So many people come trooping into my mind who know and love Christ and who can be taught and who later may reach many, many more people. So, there is a lad here and that means that God can take what may seem insignificant and insufficient and use it to his glory. And the Lord's blessing makes that difference. Now, how may you do this? Start with what you have. Give what you have to Jesus. Obey God's command and didn't conserve the results. I remember um, over in Scotland, uh, often going to St. George's West, the big church in Edinburgh, and it's not far from the Caldonian Hotel, and that's at the end of Prince's Street. And you want to know how you can witness, you say, I can't, I can't wax eloquent in talking about the Lord learn to bear just one little testimony for Jesus Christ there was a man named George Rigby and George Rigby one day came to the home of Alexander White and rang the doorbell and said that he was discouraged in his Christian life because he'd never been able to do anything for the Lord And Alexander White had not met this man before, and he said, tell me your name again. And he said, my name is Rigby, George Rigby. Alexander White said, man, I have been trying to locate you. And then he went to his desk, and he brought out a bundle of letters that, in his good Scottish fashion, he'd tied up and kept neatly. And he showed the man letter after letter after letter of traveling persons, who had been staying in the Caledonian Hotel and they had said a man by the name of George Rigby invited me to come to your church. My home was about to break up and I came and I listened and God spoke to us and I want to thank you for the message. Another man, I was about to go to take my life and a man named George Rigby spoke to me and said would I come to church. All Rigby did was invite people And bring them there but he got them under the sound of the gospel and that got them into salvation I once went into a manufacturer's office and he handed me a tract which I thought was unusual and later I talked to him and found him to be a very great Christian and this man had come to Christ When he was a boy, he had graduated from Davidson College and his father had given him the money to go to Europe. And on the way back on the ship from Europe, he was trying to decide about what the course of his life would be. There was a preacher on board the ship and they asked him if he would conduct a service on Sunday morning, and he did. And he spoke on giving your life to Jesus Christ. And at the conclusion of the preacher's sermon he cited a little poem. This man heard that poem and was converted and he gave me a copy of that poem that day and this is it. I had walked life's way with an easy tread that followed where comforts and pleasures led until one day in a quiet place I met the master face to face. I had reared my castles and built them high, their towers pierced the blue of the sky. I had sworn to rule in life's mad race till I met the master face to face. I met him and knew him and blushed to see that his eyes full of pity were fixed on me. I faltered and fell at his feet that day, and my castles melted and vanished away. They melted and vanished. And in their place, nought else could I see but my master's face. And I cried aloud, O make me meet, to follow the steps of thy wounded feet. My thoughts are now for the souls of men. I lost my life to find it again. Ere since one day, in a quiet place, I met the master face to face. And so that's my prayer for this little lesson today that we might come face to face with Jesus Christ and give our lives to him so that he may enable us not only to be saved for all time and eternity but enable us to be the ministry the little thought I placed in the bulletin, Christians are not called to support the ministry. They are called to be the ministry. let bow in prayer. Oh God, our Father, we pray that you will take the fragments of thought which we have from this message this morning and from this remarkable experience in the life of our Lord and in his disciples and which down through the ages has been an encouragement to so many to carry out a ministry for your glory that you will enable us to take what we have present it to Jesus and see what he can accomplish uh, with and through it and father if any person here is not yet surrendered his or her life to you grant to that person enabling grace this day so that they might be able to go to a quiet place and meet the master face to face We ask for these mercies in his name.